listen to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest on the show from different parts of the beer world from brewers, importers, educators. This will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Uh, So today I'm joined in the studio by Josh Chapman. Uh, He is the co-founder and head brewer of Black Narrows Brewing Company out of Shinkatig, Virginia. Um, Although it's officially Josh, right? Officially, yeah. Yeah, okay. To those who are in the know. I getcha, I getcha. <laughs> um, but before we get into that, a quick recap of the weekend. Uh, I popped over to Right Proper uh, Brooklyn facility uh, for some beer yoga. I had never done beer yoga before. What, what, what is entailed in beer yoga? Do you actually drink while you stretching? You drink while stretching. And here's the thing. I am a, an avid hater of yoga. Okay. I, I force myself to do it every week because okay. I know it's good for me. Right. But I hate it. And um, this time I'm like nestled among like brewing equipment and that beautiful like cereal smell is in the air and there's beers in front of my mat. And I was like, what have I been doing with my life? Why have I not incorporated beer into every yoga practice? Sounds like a carrot and the horse sort of situation. It's amazing. And there's actually like an official like beer sipping pose where you kind of like squat into a ball and then drink some beer. You've got to be kidding me. It's fantastic. And I am every yoga class from now on, you bet your ass I'm going to fill those <laughs> aluminum water bottles with beer and, yeah. you know, create my own beer yoga. Well, I, I mean, it makes you at least mentally feel more flexible anyway. Yeah. Right. So you're halfway there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm never going back. <laughs> uh, also went over to uh, Blue Jacket. They're celebrating their five year anniversary. That's crazy. Big big kudos to yeah. those guys. Now you were previously of the Blue Blue Jacket family. Yeah, we got to. Um, I was part of that opening crew. Uh, mm-hmm. I was there when um, I remember walking in and looking up, you know, to the rafters, and there was a mash tun hanging from the ceiling. Um, and you better believe I like tried to figure out what the diameter of, you know, that thing was and back out of the way. Cause I didn't want to be the jerk that was underneath it when it came down. But yeah, we were, I mean, it was, um, it's incredible that it's already been five years since it opened. I mean, it still feels like yesterday that first beers were getting brewed and we were trying to figure out which way the pumps were turning and you know, it's just insane. And they've been pumping out such incredible beers and it's such a great win for the DC brewing community. I'm just, I'm so proud of that whole crew. So I had to go by yesterday and get my own little bottle of double Mexi radio. So for sure. And this year is stellar. I mean, I've had it a couple of years this year, like just firing on all cylinders. That was, that was really cool to see. And I love their cans. I'm a little, I'm a little obsessed with the can art. Right. Well, it's such uh, because we, we weren't doing that when we were there, you Mm -hmm. know, um, we didn't have a canning line. We, by the time I left, we were just getting the, uh, Large format bottles, those were our growlers at that point because we never felt filled growlers. So yeah. we would do those 750s and we would do the little tags on them and everything. So it's kind of funny being a part of that opening team and then, you know, stepping away and then watching all the things that 
you hoped to grow into kind of happen. You know, it's, it's, um, it's awesome to watch it happen. It's also a little bittersweet. Like, man, oh, that's so awesome. I wish I could be a part of that, you know, sweet Mexi- Mexican radio label or, you know, the canning line working or whatever. But, I mean, the Blue Jacket crew from Greg on down is just, you know, it's such a family and so hospitable that they're always, you know, welcoming. Every time I walk in there, it's cool. You still feel like part of the crew and, you know, get to share the success. Oh, yeah. So um, they, they know their role, I feel like, in the D.C. beer community. So... Yeah, it was definitely, definitely a community vibe. Lots of people from the industry there. Yeah. Um, and then Nikki and David Nellis were celebrating their 10-year mm-hmm. anniversary of Foodie and the Beast. Shout out to them. They did a live show, which is, with everything going on in that space, to yeah. execute it as well as they did, I was so I was so impressed. So, yeah, I mean, there's... They're seasoned professionals. There's so. a lot of noises in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. There's a, more noises in a brewery. And then you add both of them together and say, let's do a live radio show. That's... Uh, that's pretty impressive, but it was fantastic. Yeah. So. Very, very cool. Hats off to those guys. And definitely they're also on uh, full service radio here. Uh, industry night on Mondays at five, awesome. I believe Nikki, don't be mad at me if I just got the time wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so yes, for those just tuning in, uh, I am joined with Josh Chapman. He's the co-founder and head brewer of black narrows brewing company out of Chincoteague, Virginia. Shingatake, Virginia, most known for all the wild ponies. Absolutely. And I have to give you kudos for pronouncing that correctly. Not Shingatake, Shingatake. Shingatake. That's soft S-H. Well, see, here's the, here's the backstory here. Okay. Um, we're going to dive into my seedy past. Fantastic. For 10 years, I played handbells. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's no, the proper that's, response. <laughs> I tried to, so hard to hold that in. No, uh, it's no, okay. it's a fantastic and a passionate profession, and I applaud you on uh, your uh, yeah. pursuit of its excellence. No, I started when I was ten, and I just didn't <laughs> stop. Um, but I mean, we were we were a bit, we played at the Kennedy Center, we played on the Ellipse. That's awesome. Yes, but okay. But we went on. Uh, we did like a festival. We did like right. a handbell festival because nerds congregate. Of course. You know? And we did one in Shinkatig when I was, I think, in eighth grade. And uh, we all were obsessed with Mr. Whippy. Which is is an ice cream spot. I I love going to Mr. Whippy. uh, They're actually the only place on the island right now in the off-season that uh, is open in the morning for coffee, which sounds Mm kind of crazy. Um, But they have a little drive-thru with coffee and donuts. But um, I personally... I'm an island creamery guy, and it's. I'm not going to say it's Hatfields and McCoys. Uh, okay, but uh, there's definitely two different camps. I gotcha. So. so like a UVA Virginia Tech kind of thing. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I totally get it. Brotherly I totally get love. It. I think yeah. there might actually be brothers that own the two places too. So <laughs> I mean, that's not a joke. I'm pretty sure they're pretty close. But yeah, everyone knows she could take for the ponies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that book Misty of Misty Shink- of Shinkatig Misty Marguerite of Shinkatig, Henry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a beautiful, beautiful area. Yeah. I have a deep-seated fear of horses so i go there tentatively yep but um it's stunning location right on the eastern shore of virginia Mm -hmm. and it isn't exactly a thriving economy no no not by any by any means um uh, acomat county is definitely a more rural um and impoverished county in general Uh, shinkatig is um respectively the golden goose of acomat county um, and even that being said, it's obviously not, you know, um, not a high income area, uh, gross, you know, uh, gross income or average, average gross income is just is way below, um, you know, national average. And, uh, it's a tough place to do a lot of things. I mean, it was historically, um, uh, aqu- aquaculture, you know, uh, facility. So shellfish and, um, seafood and everything. And uh, a lot of that went by the wayside. There used to be dozens of oyster houses on the Island and now there's basically two, mm-hmm. um, 
which is just, I don't know, it's just the way that things go. But um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of empty, you know, spaces and empty buildings. So it's, um, it's a spot that at least the natural beauty infrastructure is there. Um, and there's actually a lot of um, tourism infrastructure um, there as well that I feel like it's got everything it needs to, um, I don't know, begin to thrive all over again. It just needs some, you know, influx of new blood, basically, which is, you know, part of the reason that we went out there was to, to take that baton and try to be a next generation of something. Enter Black Narrow Brewing yeah, Company. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so uh, you opened the brewery uh, right right before New Year's, right? Yeah, we, um, well, so they always tell you that opening a business takes longer and costs more. Mm-hmm. So we anticipated that. And then it was like twice as long and twice as much as both those, you know, things anyway. Yeah. Um, so we had, I think at one point opening fall 2016 on the website and mm-hmm. then we took that down and put opening soon. <laughs> had no idea when soon was, uh, we started to promise people 2017. So we literally that last week of December, we took Christmas off, you know, and then the next day it was just back, you know, like. 16, 17 hour days trying to get that thing busted out because we're like, we have to open in 2017. I don't care if it's 24 hours before it's 2018, but we are opening in 2017. So yeah, barely by the, by the skin of our teeth, but we got it up and open New Year's Eve, 2017. So, and you have very quickly gained, uh, some acclaim here. You were named the 2018 brewery of the year by the Virginia restaurant lodging and travel association, which is a big deal. Yeah, no, that was, um, um, unexpected. Mm -hmm. Um, welcomed obviously uh um kind of funny as well we uh we were laughing because uh, do you have to be open for a year to be brewery of the year because uh, we are not yet open for a year but um I-, I will say i think one of the things that um we really had going in our favor a that's not something that we um uh, apply for our local chamber of commerce nominated us uh unbeknownst to us which was really um kind of them but part of that award is um uh, kind of community input mm-hmm. um and my lovely bride, Jenna, uh, she was the um, kind of formulator of what we call One Local, One Global, which is um, an initiative that we have where every year we take 10% of our gross beer sales um, and give them back. 5% go to 12 different local causes, and we highlight each cause monthly. Um, we give the funds out at the end of the fiscal year so that the January cause doesn't get you know, hosed in August, whatever. But, um, and then 5% goes to a global cause that we change annually. And I really believe that that was the thing that stood out for the VRLTA, which is a fantastic thing to stand out for. Um, mm-hmm. and that, and that was all Jen. So, um, it was, it was fantastic to kind of get some recognition for that. It's not about us, um, at all. So it's not, I'm not excited to, for the brewery and for me to get recognition, but if the causes that we're trying to push, I mean, that's the whole goal. Our, our vision as a brewery is to empower people to affect change in their local and global communities. Um, which doesn't necessarily sound like the vision of a brewery, but we really believe that, you know, we all have things we're passionate about and we're good at doing. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's, you know, making beer and making community spaces. So if we can use beer and community spaces to empower people to affect that change, then um, that's, that's, that's a life worth living. So That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good day's work, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and 10% sounds very specific. That sounds like tithing. It is very much um, for us um, a tithe. I mean, I was uh, a pastor before I was a chef and then a brewer. Um, it's funny, the overlap of all those things. They're mm-hmm. very, they're not dissimilar at all. I, I helped uh, plant a church out in Denver when Jen and I were first married, um, which was just an incredible experience. I didn't think anything could be harder than that, but then we um, had our second child while opening a brewery, so I was <laughs> vastly wrong. Corrected. Um, yeah. That is fascinating. So I, um, 
before culinary school, I was looking to pursue that path. No way. Seaway. And uh, uh, then I watched my mother go through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she went to uh, Wesleyan Seminary here in Washington, okay. D.C. Uh, and, you know, has been a pastor ever since mm-hmm. in the United Methodist Church. And after watching her go through it and watching what she actually has to deal with as mm-hmm. a pastor, yeah. I was like, uh, no, no, I'm maybe not cut out for this. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's a tough place to be personally because um, I love the church. I love its mission. Um, so it was, it was a hard thing to leave the church because at least internally there's, there's some um, cultural pushback almost like, oh, you're leaving the church. So mm, that's a big, you're, you're leaving the faith. You're, you know, you're taking a, um, like a second tier calling. All of those things mm-hmm. are unbiblical and not true, but it kind of feels that way. Um, yeah. at least within that uh, community sometimes. But, um, and those are also the perceptions that you, you know, project oh, yeah. on yourself. Absolutely. And, yeah. Cause uh, you just build that up in your mind. There's mm-hmm. nothing more important with my life I could do than vocational ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's, you know, it's, it's not accurate at least, uh, to, um, theology, but, uh, I, I'm blown away by how much more ministry I feel like we accomplish by just doing what, you know, we're passionate about and good at, uh, instead of trying to force a, you know, a square peg into a round hole, um, as it were. So yeah, being able to make beer and, you know, minister to the community through that is a pretty fantastic, uh, job. So, and I've seen actually some, uh, breweries start to have a connection to different churches mm-hmm. and different breweries kind of start from churches. Yeah. Um, you're seeing a few kind of pop up where, you know, a church will be the primary, uh, investor. Yeah. Um, and it's a, you know, you see a lot of different, I, I, I think my childhood church does like beer and Bible studies where they actually go to a a right. local uh, craft beer bar yeah. and do their Bible study there instead of, you know, in the basement under fluorescent lighting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty nice, actually. <laughs> and I was, you know, again, it's like looking back like, man, I wish they had that when I was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's just, it's, it's funny because again, it makes so much sense mm-hmm. um, even just theologically for that to happen. But we, like most things, you know, you, the culture around, um, you know, uh, around uh, an organization or a business or whatever, it, it starts to evolve. And at some point you kind of dance around what really, you know, you can do. So I'm, I'm glad to see that sort of stuff happening because there has been, you know, a stigma too within um, uh, church world around alcohol, which is mm-hmm. funny um, when there's not a stigma around other things. But, you know, that's, that's the way it goes sometimes. So. Yes, for sure. Um, well... We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on Beer Me Radio. idea what that music was but it was really beautiful it was a fan it took a hot second though it there took was a, a bit of confusion like, like, right at the beginning jazz kind of stuff and then oh all right in comes the there beat. we go well welcome back to beer me on full service radio recording live at the line hotel in adams morgan washington dc i'm your host sarah jane i'm speaking with josh uh, 
Josh. should have gone with Yosh. It would have been so much easier. Josh Chapman of uh, Black Narrows Brewing Company. He's the co-founder and head brewer in Chincoteague, Virginia. Uh, So we talked about the mission of the brewery, Mm -hmm. encouraging people, you know, to make their local community better, make the world a better Mm -hmm. place, which is is a beautiful mission that you guys have. Another thing that I really appreciate about your brewery is that you really take local agriculture uh very seriously i mean you see a lot of breweries you know they get the they get the berries from the local farm and then they do their spent grain and they Mm -hmm. give it to the local farm for the pigs and then they make those pigs into sausage in their tap room right right you see that and i'm saying this so bored but that's actually really a beautiful thing it is a really beautiful thing (laughs) um but i think you you guys take it one step further a little bit well i mean part of that is um again it's that holistic approach that I feel very um, fortunate to kind of had. You look back at your life and you realize a lot of the things that made you who you are um, all, all cross over. So obviously the being a good steward of what we've been given sort of mentality, um, but also just um, going to culinary school and um, getting to work um, uh, with some fantastic chefs, uh, both in Denver and then here in DC with neighborhood restaurant group. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, getting to, um, you know, hang out with Kyle Bailey, you know, he was obviously still there. Um, when I was, when I was at energy, just, I mean, you can't get, especially his seafood focus, which now for me is a whole nother chapter, you know, that I get to, um, kind of pick his brain on while I'm out on the shore. And we have a lot of aquaculturally, um, Mm -hmm. focused beers as well. And we're trying to delve into that, but it was, I mean, the thing that I was taught by every chef and I feel so blessed to have had it like rammed into my brain was the best meals you can make are by finding the best most seasonal ingredients and doing the very least to them and letting them speak for themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. And beer is food in a glass. Like it's, it's still a, it's still a food product. So why would, why would that concept not make the most sense for beer as well? So it just made, it made so much sense for us to pursue that. Um, it's fun. There's 7,000 ish breweries now. So local beer, beer made locally isn't local beer. And I'm really passionate about that. Um, and I, I don't, like sometimes how craft beer can push that because it's local, it's good because a, that's, that's not necessarily true. Like you have to actually make a quality product, but B because it's made locally doesn't mean it's, it's local beer. And uh, there's a little bit of, um, cognitive dissonance. I feel like sometimes we're, Oh, we're not AB InBev We're we're local. You know, you have to support local. I'm like, you're buying your grain from Germany. You're buying your hops from Pacific Northwest. Like none, none of the ingredients to your beer are local, but you're screaming, we're not the big guys where your money, you know, you're still sending all that in- ingredient cost, which is the main cost a brewery has out the door to some other community, right? Mm-hmm. Brewers are too talented these days and there's too much good secondary uh, infrastructure to the brewing industry to, um, you know, to just out of hand say, Oh, we, you know, all the local malt is crap. We can't use that. Uh, nobody can grow local ops. Nobody's trying. Nobody's actually pursuing these things. And I don't feel like there's a real data set to make an informed statement like that anymore. Like all of our malt comes, uh, is Virginia grown and Virginia malted. Mm-hmm. You would never know, you know, Oh, they're, I can't believe they're, you can taste. They're not using Vireman. No, no, you can't, you know, and we have, um, we have hops that are going on the shore that we use for a lot of things. The beer that sells the most in the tap room, which is our, Scottish ale, ironically, it's a whole different story, but uh, <laughs> it's all local Eastern Shore grown hops, you know? Um, I just, I, I feel very passionately that if people want to be unique in their area to really support their community mm-hmm. um, and to make the best product possible, they have to start looking at their local um, agriculture because that's where, that's where the freshest, most vibrant, and the relationships get built. Because we, um, I got to have my daughter on a tractor two weeks ago. We planted the first 
malting barley in the eastern shore of Virginia. Six acres of malting barley with this local farmer mm-hmm. um, who's already connected with our maltster. And, you know, the three of us are having these conversations. What varietals do we plant? You know, do we want the, you know, do we want a winter varietal? How are we going to process it? What kind of super sacks do we buy to send it down there? How are we going to malt it? If you're telling me that that's going to make a worse product than blindly buying something from some, you know, um, distributor, I, I just, I don't buy it at all. But... Yeah. But I know I have a very soft opinion on that. So yeah, no, I. <laughs> um, but and you also uh, cultivated your own strain of yeast from oysters. Yeah. So we. Um, well, I didn't. Jasper Ackerboom and Travis Tedrow, who are yep. geniuses. I leave okay. the smart stuff to those guys. Those are the yeast wranglers. They are. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They're fantastic. Um, so they've got. They were. Um, Bright Yeast Labs, apparently that was a thing. So now they are Jasper Yeast. Um, mm-hmm. And they're working on their build-out right now. But, uh, but when I was still at Blue Jacket, actually, and I was driving up to the shore on the weekends, I was uh, knocking out a fresh batch of uh, Forbidden Planet, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, I side-streamed some sterile wort, drove straight to the shore. We grabbed a, um, uh, an oyster from our landlord, who is also a waterman, because uh, uh, our brewery is in a renovated oyster shucking house. I really love the name. Hold on. Little Bay Seafood Shucking House on Chicken City Road. You can't make that stuff up. That's great. Right? And the great <laughs> thing about Chicken City Road was that it used to be a bunch of chicken farms. Yeah. Um, and then they had a big flood in the 60s, and all the chickens died. And they're like, well... We won't do that again. And that was it. That was the end of chickens on Shingadig Island. So, um, but yeah. I mean, there was a national tragedy and we learned from it and we did something different. It's weird, right? How that happens. <laughs> we didn't just do the same thing over again, hoping for different results. Oh, um, but yeah, so we took a, took an oyster straight from the marsh mud, threw it in the, uh, the sterile wort, mm-hmm. had good spontaneous fermentation. 24 hours later, I let it ferment out, came back into work on Monday morning, took it straight over to Jasper. Um, and out of the goodness of his heart, he, Separated out, I think, 150 different, uh, you know, little strains and bacterials and did micro fermentations on all of them. And he found two. So God bless him for the hard work that he did. But yeah, we have this two great, um, basically kind of Cezanne farmhouse strains. One is fruity and floral and one's more phenolic and and spicy. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, it's one of those things where when we talk to people you get to take them to Shinkatigue in a glass, right? And it's a win for everybody. You make a really cool, unique product. Um, it has a great backstory. You get to give people a sense of time and place um, that they can't get anywhere else, you know? Um, and it's been it's been a lot of fun, especially I got to wear waders for the first time. Nice. You feel like an astronaut. It's amazing. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that. That's yeah. a great That's a great feeling. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. Um, and you are starting to distribute in dc people yeah. people will be able to yeah yeah, yeah. Your beer? Uh, we actually just this weekend um just a little bit of draft uh counts we um we had actually done a beer dinner with sally's middle name back in june um so we've had beer on kind of sporadically with them since then but um we're on at the brew pub at right proper um nice. right now and then um there are some other spots that we'll start to uh you know fill in over the next month or so we kind of got through so we turned a year old obviously on new year's mm-hmm. um and i didn't really pursue any sort of large-scale distribution, A, because we're a five-barrel brewery. We're not large anyway. But B, I didn't know, because of how seasonal the island is, I had no idea what our demand versus capacity during the summer was. Uh, and it's a good thing, because we got down to, at one point, two beers um, in the tap room, you know, uh, where we typically have, you know, 12. So it was fun to watch. We get mostly D.C., Pennsylvania, New Jersey in for the season. Uh, mm-hmm. And we had somebody walk in. And the only two beers we had on were... A uh, beer called Leash. Uh, we actually had a, a bourbon barrel aged version at Snallygaster. Um, mm-hmm. It's a wild fennel uh, stout, local wild fennel. Um, and actually, then, I think at Snallygaster I had the. Uh, you had the Habatit? 
Yeah, and it was outstanding. Thank you. And again, that's all Virginia yeah. Pilsner, Virginia grown and malted. And it's um, Bloody Butcher varietal of corn, an heirloom um, yeah. Appalachian corn that has actually been grown in the East from Shore since the 1870s. So it's just our little 4.2% corn lager. Um, and I love it. It's what I drink all the time. Yeah, um, it, was, it was delicious. Thanks. I was, I definitely, I used more tickets on that than I think most other beers. <laughs> Drink it, you know, drink a lager all day. Yeah. You know? I mean, well, and that's as soon as I I'd had one of our ship managers who's never been in Stanley before and we were in by the gravity kegs. Mm-hmm. Um, so was, he was like, where should I go? Like, is there a double IPA? And I was like, okay, right over here is a Franconian Keller beer. You yes. need to go drink that right now. I was drinking, I was drinking Roush beers all day. Right. Roush beers, Pilsners, and that was it pretty oh, much. <laughs> such a fantastic, and, and honestly, kudos to Greg because he mm-hmm. knows like he doesn't have to bring those in, yeah. right? Oh he, yeah. And there's, there are more work and yeah. you know. And he just, he knows that there are people that'll drink those all day. Well, and he loves them. That's what I love. You know what I mean? Like he'll bring in all the, all the, the stuff that, you know, um, everyone loves, but Mm -hmm. he does really do a fantastic job of getting those beers in. And it's what I look forward to at Snally every year. I remember the first time he showed me, we were doing Snally at Union Market when Mm -hmm. I first started at Blue Jacket. Um, and I got to help like tap those and he was showing me all about them. And you could just see like the, the glint in his eye of this is this sacred thing you have to try. It was fantastic. I loved it. And for listeners who are not familiar with Snellagaster, we did an episode with Greg uh, right before, early earlier in October. That is, uh, that was a really, really great episode where he kind of went into what goes into executing a beer yeah. festival of that magnitude, uh, which they totally crushed this year on their new location in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Avenue. Um, and I got to say, also, the beer lineup that you guys have right now, I really, really appreciate. Thanks. You've got... Lager, you got Cezanne, you got table beer, you got tart wheat ale, you have cream ale, you have a scotch ale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got one IPA, maybe. Yeah, you people, know? people come in and uh, we've had most of the negative comments that we've gotten are that we only have one IPA. Okay. Which is, um, I'm kind of fine with. You know? Yeah. I think it's a really solid IPA. Um, we brought it to the Emporium this weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. and, I, and I make some different ones. Every now and then we'll have two IPAs on. But um, yeah. And again, it's something I learned actually kind of from Greg. Um, I mean, he has those five flavor profiles that he puts on the menus. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, tart and funky, fruity spicy, crisp and light, hop forward, and malty and roasty. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a great bevy of beers. And that's kind of what we try to have out at the taproom as well. It, I think it keeps me on my toes as a brewer. And again, if you approach beer agriculturally... Um, as a composed bite, almost like a composed sip. Um, how can you only make one thing all the time? You have too many ingredients, you know, at your fingertips to only make IPAs all day long, right? I, there's just too much great stuff to use that wants to go its own direction. You kind of got to let it go there, and naturally, you just get this diverse beer lineup. So, yeah, and there's a seasonality to beer. You're not, you know, nobody wants to have like. Berliner Weiss in the middle of winter. Well, no. sometimes. If it's New Year's Eve, maybe. Sure. Replace but, champagne with Berliner Weiss always. Yes. But. <laughs> no, but, and you hear sometimes, beer's not seasonal. That's not true. Because beer is produced by people, and human yeah. beings are seasonal. So to say that, uh, sure, beer is, you know, um, you know, not a, you know, conscious, you know, living thing. Well, it's not true either. But we're seasonal, beer is seasonal, and drink seasonally. That's totally fine. There are definitely things that I drink in the in the winter that I don't drink in the summer, and vice versa. There are you know things that mark the seasons. Like, mm-hmm. I'm really excited. We're going to brew a Meritzen um, in the next couple of weeks when I get back because we have some local, the local winery just finished uh, harvest. Mm-hmm. So we have some um, five and six year old red wine barrels that are um, fairly neutral at this point. So we're gonna uh, our bright tanks are single walled because it's an old oyster shucking house, right? So mm-hmm. the, we have giant walk ins. So it's different than Blue Jacket, where I'm used to having you know jacketed brights out behind the bar and whatever. So we have this giant walk in. So we actually get to 
lager Amerzen in local oak, you know, until March. So I've, I'm excited about like this thing being yeah. a, hey, okay, it's March now. It's like spring's coming. Let's do this Merzen that's been and kind of marked the seasons with the beer. Uh, it's fantastic. Nice. That is awesome. Well, thank you so much yeah. for coming into chat today. It's a pleasure. Um, definitely check out uh, throughout DC uh, for Black Narrows Brewing Company. Uh, but hey, make a trip down to Shingatig. It's still pretty in the wintertime. It's, uh, it's our favorite time. So. Yeah. Well, uh, check out Beer Me every place that you normally get your podcasts. Otherwise, we'll see you next week on Full Service Radio recording live at the Line Hotel. Cheers. Cheers.